From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Hey, y'all. It's Elizabeth. I'm so glad you're joining us today. I'm with co-host Liv Harrison. Hey, Liv. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, We are talking about one of my favorite topics today, which is marriage. Um, (laughs) I love how that's like that, like it was some shocking review. I know. know. You guys will never guess what Elizabeth's favorite topic is. I love Surprise. it. Surprise. <laughs> um, you know, so many times on this podcast when we're not explicitly talking about marriage, we're still talking about it. So it makes yeah. me but today <laughs> One way we're, or another. we're actually talking about marriage. So um, I got the idea for spending focused time uh, in the season of discerning marriage, learning about marriage from my own life. And I kind of want to tell that story a little bit to lead us in. Uh, to this episode. So when I was on a come and see weekend with the Dominicans that I was discerning with, a huge chunk of the Saturday, so it was like Friday to Sunday, a huge chunk of Saturday was devoted to letting us explore what life is like as a Dominican, right? So we could use that information to discern if that's the life we want. So obviously if we're called to religious life, we're, we're on board with the whole like poverty, chastity, obedience situation, but you can decide what charism you want to spend your life living and the Dominicans teach and they have a specific way that they pray. And there are just so many things about their life that are oriented around being Dominicans, right? Dominicans who serve Jesus. So um, on that weekend, I decided I didn't want to be a Dominican as much as I wanted to join religious life. And I loved that. Um, I loved that order. And I was like still begging them to let me in the, the Dominican piece. I didn't super feel called to, uh, and I don't think I would have realized that about that order if it wasn't because they spent so much time diving into it. Right. And that is ultimately what led me to realize that the whole d- vocation of religious life wasn't for me. Um, so I love the idea, like as people are discerning marriage, I love the idea of taking that same approach and diving into what marriage is. Uh, so when I did that, turns out the church has a lot to say about it. Uh, there's quite a lot out there on what, uh, it means to be married. So I'm planning to spend a number of episodes diving into this, breaking open different elements of what marriage is for you guys, in case you aren't, you, you know, you don't, you haven't spent time diving into the church's teaching. I can help you do that. Uh, but I wanted to start the discussion with Liv specifically because you've spent so much time doing marriage prep, Liv, but you've also been married for decades. So I feel like you, you have a lot to say. <laughs> Almost 20 that. years. Yeah. It'll be, well, 20 years in June, 2020. So I guess it depends on when someone's listening. Yeah. That's so true. if you've made, if we've made it to June, 2020, <laughs> the 17th, then yes, I have been married for decades. decades. Yes. That's amazing. I love <laughs> there you it. go. I love it. So Liv has a lot to offer on this topic. And I was um, just so, I'm so excited to have you joining us, Liv. Yeah. Hey, it's one of my favorite topics ever. So I'm, I'm here for it. I'm a marriage speaker and I've written <laughs> marriage retreats and all sorts of, and conferences I've written. So for marriage specifically. So yeah, I'm in it. I love she's it. Yeah. She's, she's got a lot to say. We've got a lot to say. Lot to so say. Um, I actually wanted to start the topic uh, with someone I don't think he's Catholic. Do you know Stephen Covey? Is he Catholic? Yeah, no, I think he's uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Love it. Mm -hmm. So his book, we're going to start with him. His book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. One of the habits. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, classic. Yeah. (laughs) So So classic. Um, One of the habits is begin with the end in mind. All right. 
Yes. I think that is such a great guiding principle for discerning in general, right? Knowing where you want to go. And he has this great quote. He says, if your ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step you take gets you to the wrong place faster. If your ladder isn't leaning against the right wall, every step you take gets you to the wrong place faster. That's fascinating. I got to sit and think about that one. I tell you what, what? That's crazy. (laughs) So guys, what is the right wall of marriage? right? What does it mean to be married? And we are living in a culture um, where the the secular definition of marriage does not agree with the sacred definition of marriage, right? The the legal definition, the civil definition of marriage is not the same as the sacramental definition. So some of you may be sitting there with some ideas of what marriage is in your mind that have been shaped by the American culture, but that aren't in keeping with the vows you would take if you got married in the Catholic church. And so Um, I want you guys to really spend some time exploring what the right wall of marriage is. So you can, when you're taking steps in the direction, you can actually be getting where you want to go instead of having to scurry up a wall, then scurry back down it, then move your ladder, then climb. Yeah, I'm all about efficiency. So where exactly do you want to be headed when you're climbing up the ladder of discernment? And there, there, I think there's so many things to say about this, but I think the obvious place to start is the vows themselves, right? Like, you take vows. So let's explore those. That's how I want to start this discussion with Liv, um, with someone who has been married five times as long as me, who's lived her vows, you know, five times as long and, um, walking, you know, both of us have walked through stuff in our marriage. I think everyone who gets married walks through stuff, but there's something so beautiful when you come out on the other end of any trial and you realize like, Oh, we we honored our vows. Right. And, and and we cooperated with grace. Thanks be to God. So Let's talk about the vows, right? What are you going to vow when you get married? So this, what I'm saying, I mean, we may have some listeners who aren't Catholic. What I am going to dive into is actually true between any two baptized Christians, all right? Um, Any two baptized Christians uh, who get married um, have this kind of sacramental definition. So uh, when you say your own vows, it's not as obvious. When you get married in a Catholic, not say your own vows, when you write them, you know, you can write what you want to say. When a couple gets married in the Catholic church, though, it's super obvious what the couple's saying yes to. So I think it would be a good exercise to just dive into each element of that because Mm -hmm. it's very evident what the vows are when you walk through the Catholic rite of marriage. All right. So let's begin with the series of questions that the bride and groomer asked before they exchanged vows. So this is something that's specific to the rite of the liturgy. Um, and you, there's the exchange of vows, but before you get there, the person um, receiving the vows on behalf of the couple, the bishop, priest, or deacon asks questions that are literally called the questions before consent. Um, and they make it clear, very clear what the couple is agreeing to. So Liv, I am thinking we'll just, we'll list the question and then we'll kind of process it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. No, that sounds fantastic. Cool. Okay. So it starts with the two names. So Ross and Elizabeth, that's my husband, uh, Olivia and Nathan. (laughs) They probably do Nathan versus Nathan and Olivia. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Have you come here to enter into marriage without coercion, freely and wholeheartedly? Have you come here to enter into marriage without coercion, freely and wholeheartedly. Right. So what the church is trying to get at here, what we can learn from this question is you have to make a free choice to enter into marriage, right? Marriage is not the sort of thing that you can be forced into. 
it's not, right. It's not the sort of thing, what, you know, whether someone's kidnapped and trying to make you marry them for whatever reason, or whether they are, you feel forced to get married for whatever reason, someone's pushing you, someone's forcing you. Um, so we don't have to, this is kind of a tangent, but arranged marriages can still be free if the, each individual person is freely choosing to enter it. But if they're being forced and they don't feel free, obviously that would not be a valid marriage, right? Because yes, exactly. Yes. No. Yeah. You have to, you have to be, it cannot be, um, you can't be manipulated into it. You can't be because, you know, you're pregnant and you don't really love each other. And so, yeah. So you're locked into this thing you think, and this is the only way. And I mean, there's a thousand scenarios that could put somebody in a place that like, they're like, Oh, marriage is the only way. The only reason, like I, I need help with my rent. Oh, I'll marry this person. Or maybe a green card. I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. trying to think. Of things. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So, I mean, it, it, it ha- here's what's beautiful about the Catholic Church it all comes down to intention, it all comes down to free will. We really take that free will thing really seriously. So, your will has to be a part of this whole thing. You've got to freely give it. And what is your intention? Are you just intending? you know, like a, you know, like a, a means to an end, like, or is this a whole day, like actually a sacrament of marriage? Like you're, you're here for the right to steal from the bachelor, which we all know is not where we should be getting our marriage advice. Are you here for the right reasons? You know, they're getting it's a fair statement. It's a fair statement. I think the bachelor is such a phenomenal window into the cultural like um, tolerance I guess for elements of marriage like I'll probably I talk about this a lot when I give marriage talks and this may come up in later podcasts but I find it so fascinating that the top three contestants get to essentially have sex with him I mean they're going in the suite who knows what they're doing in there blah 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 but like really I mean they're like setting the stage right for them to get to have sex but the winner I'm sorry Mm -hmm. I only watched one season fantasy suite Uh, but the the, the winner is the one who gets proposed to, right? For all the right. emphasis we place on sex and not having to get married in right. this culture in 2020, right? There's a piece of us that still thinks that the winner is the one who gets the man. Fascinating, fascinating. Right. I think it's fascinating that people. Uh, the The good things that I that I grab from The Bachelor and The Bachelorette is like I think it's fascinating that the secular world is still so attracted to marriage. Like that, yes. I think is such a positive. And, yes. and I always, but you know, that's my strength is positivity is my love number it. one strength. And so I do, I look at it that way and I'm like, wow, you know, at least they're talking about marriage and people want to get married because why would they like, right. what is in it's it for so them? True. Especially if they're sleeping together, if they're living together, like right. then why is there still this desire, which in my opinion is because the soul desires truth mm-hmm. and the soul knows truth. And so of course it's going to desire marriage because that is what we were made for. We were made right. for, you know, sacramental marriage. Yeah, so well, that's the one with the truth of the Catholic church. So that's a <laughs> yeah. great opinion. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so that's anyway, so that's, that's a positive. I see it's out so, of it. I love that, that these people point. do want to get married and that that's what they're yeah. going for. Are they doing it the right way? But guess what? A lot of us don't do a lot of things the right way. So if right. we, you know, so I'm I desperately hope you're not dating 25 people at the same time. If you right. break I mean, up with but, 24 of them tomorrow, <laughs> but yes, the, the, sure. the, the journey that they're on, I do really think it, it, I love what you said. It's so highlights that the culture is still there on some level. There's this draw, they're attracted to regardless it. of how it. much sex you have. There's this draw to yeah. that permanent desire. Yeah. That commitment. Want it. 
And yeah. we will talk about this in another episode, but really marriage, um, symbolizes the love that God has within himself and the love that Christ has for the church. Right. So right. like marriage is a sign. Oh, um, if I'm not careful, we're going to hop on a tangent and talk about this, but the, like it, marriage communicates something and the human heart was made for it. Like you're saying, Liv, and it's Correct. drawn to Jesus. It's drawn right. to Jesus, even if it doesn't know it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Woo, exactly. Freedom. freedom. The bachelor is teaching us. What is the line? Right. Well, it's gotta be your choice, right? Because that's the whole, <laughs> that it's got, it's, <laughs> this is a definitely, you know, to take a spin off of the whole, my body, my choice. This is the, uh, this would be the, the Catholic answer to that my body my choice i mean and yes. it's true we right? value I mean, your, your body is yes. the temple of the holy spirit and th it has to be your choice so yes. that is the bottom line so yes. please yes continue to enlighten us elizabeth but a choice i'm trying to remember whose quote this was i want to attribute it to ben pope benedict but i'm sure it was someone before him or it could be super someone someone totally different can't grab it out of my brain fast enough but a ba but basically like freedom freedom doesn't exist so that you can do whatever you want freedom exists so that you have the ability to choose what is right and that Perfect. is what you yeah so like freedom of choice the enemy will help whole yeah they different discussion, but you know, you don't have a right to choose to kill someone else, but you do have a right to choose what is good for you in a marriage. And like, that is definitely what Liv is talking about. Like the Correct. ability to choose to enter into a marriage freely. And she, that the church values your freedom so much that in order to have a valid marriage, you have to enter freely, right? You have to answer yes to this question. Valid means right. that the marriage really happens, right? So mm -hmm. when you get married, um, the couple is actually sacramentally married and it's possible to go through the motions, but to not actually be sacramentally married because one of the critical elements wasn't there. One of them being freedom, right? So the church super values our freedom. Um, I also love that same question says, have you come here to enter into marriage without coercion freely and wholeheartedly, right? Um, there's a totality that the church is wanting you to have the, I am giving everything to you and I'm holding nothing back and I'm expecting you to give everything to me and to hold nothing back. Right. So if there is yeah. something that is, um, that you are intentionally withholding from the other person that, that does not allow you to enter into a valid marriage, right? You may be saying the words, but if your heart is not living that reality of total gift, right? There's something you're holding back then you're not validly married. And this, this question is trying to catch that at the last minute. Sure. Yeah, no. And I think that that's very, um, I think that's, you know, like an annulment, uh, sadly, which, you know, we have, but you know, not, not sadly, because I don't know everybody's situation. So that doesn't, I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah. It's good that um, that exists. It's, it's good that that exists, to it, but it's sure. good that the option is there. It's life and we're human and there's a lot of things that, you know, annulment, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but, um, but one of the things is fraud, right. And for grounds for annulment, let's, let's talk about what an annulment is real quick. We're oh, going to bounce around, but fair. some people might not know. So some will, we'll have a whole episode on it's this. Very later. fair. Yep. yep. But some people think that an annulment is just a Catholic divorce. Okay. And I'm going to briefly explain why that's not true. And then later down the line, I will link in the show notes to where that episode is, where I dive in deeper, but an annulment. So when you, when a couple gets married, they, in, especially in the United States, I think in most places in the world, the civil ceremony, right? Where two people can legally get married as, you know, per the guidelines of what the United States says you need to get married and the, um, sacramental marriage per what the church says, the bishop priest deacon is 
both. So in the, the wedding, both things are happening, right? They're getting civilly married and they're getting sacramentally married. But the reality is they're two separate things. So with a civil, uh, you know, the, the civil union, right? The state who says who can get civilly married can also say how to get out of it. And so the state allows for divorce and for whatever reason. But the church, the sacramental marriage, does not allow for it to be broken. God says what God has joined, no men must separate. So there's no way out of a sacramental marriage. So a lot of people think that an annulment is just a Catholic divorce, right? It's the, just the way to break the Catholic sacramental vow. That is not the case. The reality is that while the civil one can be broken in divorce, the sacramental one cannot be broken. However, if one of the necessary elements of marriage isn't there, the necessary elements being freedom, uh, total gift of self, wholeheartedly giving yourself, faithfulness and fruitfulness, which we'll cover in the next two questions. If one of those isn't there, the marriage never happened. So the annulment is just going back to the courtship and the exchange of vows and saying, okay, it may have looked like all those things happened. They definitely got civilly married, but they did not get sacramentally married. Right. And of course that does not have bearing on the children who come from that, on the love that they had, the life they built together. It's not saying any of that is invalid. All it's saying is at this moment of consent, something was missing. And so you are issued a declaration of nullity, meaning the marriage never happened in the first place. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying in an an annulment, right? When, when the church is officially acknowledging someone's marriage never actually happened, you were saying. Yeah. So, you know, so just, um, I'm trying to remember what we originally were talking about, but I gotta be honest. Gift of self-fraud. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Not holding back. Sorry about that. I got swept up in the annulment. Um, yeah. So that, that's the point. If you are, if you are intentionally, again, it comes down to intention. If you're intentionally withholding something from your spouse on the day that you're getting married, right. Um, that's grounds for annulment. That is grounds for fraud, right? Because then that means that you weren't there can be, and this, this is another conversation, but this is why NFP exists in Catholic marriage. This is why we don't believe in using barrier methods, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, you know, stopping the production of children. Mm-hmm. People would like to just think that we do. We just produce them. Um, that was a joke. They've made uh, a factory anyway, in those bedrooms. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, guys. Um, but, you know, some people are like, why can't we use condoms? It's a barrier method. It's something in between the, the spouses, right? Um, that's synthetic. And also the same thing with like, you know, the birth control pill. Oh yeah. But I just swallowed that pill. What's the big deal? That's something chemically in between. There could be nothing in between you guys. Like when we say give your whole self, mm-hmm. we mean it. Yep. Like give every everything. single part. Think of Christ when he was dying on the cross and you know, St. Longinus came and wasn't a saint at the time, but you know, pierced him on the side with his sword, right? And instantly believed and blood and water flowed. The reason why that happened was because Jesus had to give every drop of blood and every drop of water and every drop of life in order to do what he had to do. All of those things had to exist. So that's what's happening in a marriage. You're giving, you're giving it all. <laughs> you're giving every single piece. Now pause. Does that mean you're going to do it perfectly? Absolutely no. not. You're human beings. You're gonna mess this up all the time. But, we're but back that to is the, that is what we're working. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. But that is what you are working towards every day. Yep, love it. All right. So next question: Are you prepared as you follow the path of marriage to love and honor each other for as long as you both shall live? So. <laughs> Seems like an easy one, right? This is the easy one sure. that people think of when they're married. As long as you both I shall live. I want to be right. married to you forever. Right. Sure. Fidelity. Right. 
what's fascinating about this one and what I want people to know before they end up getting married is you say, as long as you both shall live, essentially no matter what happens next. So I have a friend who, when they got married at their reception after the wedding was over, the two of them made a big to-do about signing a blank sheet of paper. And then a friend gave them a frame for it. And they hung this blank sheet of paper on their wall as a reminder that they signed, they said, yes, they signed that they would be faithful no matter what God can fill in the rest of it, but they were there. They were all in. Right. And I love that symbolism because we have no idea, right? Like loving and honoring each other for as long as you both shall live. If both of your parents die three years into your marriage, if you lose a child, if you can't conceive any children, if he cheats on you, whatever happened, you are saying, I am all in no matter what happens. And there can be so much crummy stuff that life throws your way, but you are saying, I'm going to be there until I, well, actually until you are dead or me, whoever gets there first, like death breaks it, but I'm going to be here no matter what. And that's that, this is one that I think people think they're like, yeah, I could do that. But when it actually comes down to it, realizing the extent of it is such a powerful, uh, awakening for, I think a lot of people. No, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, being 20 years into a marriage almost, I never would have thought that the things that we've had to deal with as a couple would have come our way. We were together five and a half years before we got married. We did all the marriage prep you could possibly do, plus extra things that we weren't even asked to do that we did on our own. And we have had some pretty intense, crazy things come up in 20 years. But think about that with anything, right? right. Like think about that with, with anything in, in somebody's life. That's called life. Yep. And the whole part about this piece is that you're saying, all right, fine, great. I'm not negating that we're not human. I'm not negating that it's going to be an easy ride. What I am saying is that no matter what though, at the end of the day, we're going to, to find our way back to each other. Yes. And we're going to stick it through and go to the next whatever, you know, like to the next wave in the ocean or whatever it is. And that piece alone can really facilitate some amazing growth in a marriage because when the bad comes, when the human parts show up, when life hits you smack in the face and people do things you never thought they would do, you do things you never dreamed you would do, whatever it is. And you still can look at each other and, uh, unlike Rose in the Titanic, scoot over on your big, (laughs) ginormous door and make room for Leo. You know what I mean? Like rise that thing out together. Um, That's when, (laughs) it's a good visual. I mean, she could have moved. I mean, we all have agreed on this. Everyone agrees. Everyone agrees. Um, but, But that's really, if you can get through those, those times that are devastating, I mean, devastating. And uh, a lot of other words. uh, I'm trying not to sound cliche is what I'm trying to do. You legitimately come out so much stronger. You legit, you like, when you actually say that vow of fidelity, if, you know, sticking it through, I tell you what, that's some power right there. There is some grace and some power in your vows, but that one especially because you will be tried and you will be tested. And even if you're not, I mean, think about anything you've done for 20 years. You, you know what I mean? Be, 
Yeah, I think but I'm just saying needs to needs to realize they will be. I it'll think vary though. You know what true. I mean? Some people will go through that's some true. really dark stuff, and Very some people true. will be like, "Well, ours was like a light gray." So you know, yeah. I, I'm just trying to say there's a spectrum. You know? yeah. yeah, and and I want to honor either side of that. You know, yes. like that's okay. You don't have to have the ship of the Titanic going down to get on. You know, move you're behind over on that door. Right. You know what I right. mean? It, just has, it does not have to be ocean for things to be bad sure. for you. Yes, exactly. But yeah. you know what I mean? So it, that, that one alone is, is a very, you got, you got to lean on that one. You're going to have, you will, you'll lean on that one a lot. And, and it's beautiful so, when you come on the other side of it. It really is. And what's so powerful. beautiful about it. One of the things that's so beautiful about it is it gives each of you, you give each other the gift of safety because you know that mm-hmm. you can walk through your own garbage, right? You can, you, if it, if it's your, um, parents who die, or if it's you who cheats, God forbid, or if it's you who, you know, whatever ends up happening, yeah. you know, that there is the safety of another person who is walking alongside you, trying to help you become the best version of yourself. Right. That's exactly um, right. And, and they so, don't abandon you. Yes. Yeah. They don't abandon you. Um, obviously please right. don't cheat on your people, but, right. um, you know, like think, things happen. And so it's just so, uh, the, the, your own posture of humility and contrition is necessary, but the gift you give the other, right. You ought to be working through it. Um, it's not okay to just cheat and be like, okay, deuces. Like you have to want, you know, (laughs) to make it better. But what the other person's fidelity gives you is the safety to be like, I'm a broken fallen human being and I need Jesus's mercy. And there's a safety, right. To grow in holiness. Marriage is meant to sanctify us. What that means is you're meant to be made holy in it. So like I can be my vulnerable, messy, ugly self, warts and all. And I know you're going to be there. And that is the gift you give to your person. When you vow fidelity, there's something, and they give it to you. There's something so, um, there, there's just a safety that's beautiful that comes with it. So fidelity. Yes. Um, And the last question is, are you prepared to accept children lovingly from God and bring them up according to the law of Christ and his church? This I think is really a three prong thing. It seems really simple. Like be open to having babies. Okay. And most people, when they think about it, they're thinking what Liv mentioned earlier about not uh, allowing artificial contraception into your marriage. What's fascinating about artificial contraception, and of course we'll have episodes about this, is artificial contraception violates two of the four, the free, total, faithful, fruitful. It violates this one, obviously the fruitfulness, but it violates the one Liv said, right? The totality. You're not, I, I'm giving you everything except my uterus, right? That's mine. I get to decide right. what I'm going to do with right. so those. Unifying. You have to yeah. be unitive. Yeah. Yes. But the, um, but the accepting children lovingly from God, yes, for a, for a lot of couples, it probably means being willing to discern uh, having a lot of kids, maybe not necessarily a lot. You could decide what is best for you, um, but you're open to having them. You're not trying to artificially um, kind of shrink your family size. What I really want to point out here is we are not called, I misspoke a second ago, we are not called to just have all of the babies, right? We are called to use our reason to cooperate with the Lord in, in figuring out what is the actual best thing for us. Um, I know people who've had medical reasons why they've had to space babies, right? And like Me, that is the right. I, I had that. Yeah, it was lit, but I didn't want to like throw you out. Oh, I don't mind. The- <laughs> no, I talk about my story. Not that that's, we don't it. have to talk about it now, but yes, 100%. We will at some point. Yeah. I love that part of Absolutely. your story. Sure. I mean, obviously there's a heartbreaking part of it, but I love the fidelity oh, very much to so, yes. the fruitfulness, right? There was a, yeah. a medical need to space babies. And instead of using our the way the church said, yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's a serious reason and the couple gets to discern that. Um, but the flip side, right. Of accepting children lovingly, whatever number the Lord wants you to have, the flip side of it is 
it's whatever number the Lord wants you to have. So for some couples, this is going to mean accepting a cross of infertility and not taking matters into your own hands, right? So just as we're called to not take matters into our own hands with, uh, by using contraception to avoid babies, we're also not called to take matters into our own hands and use excessive reproductive technology to grow our families, right? There's lots of things you can do uh, from a medical perspective that are uh, in keeping with the dignity of your body um, to grow your family from a medical perspective if there are things wrong. Absolutely. There's a line there, which we'll talk about at some point. Um, And so accepting children both means in their um, quantity, but in their absence, right? We don't, you have no idea. And so this posture of openness to the Lord of like, you are going to guide our family size and I trust you to do that is one of the things you vow on your wedding day. But then also you say that you're going to bring them up according to the law of Christ and his church, right? So if any of you are discerning marrying people who aren't Catholic, the church totally allows for that, but you're vowing to raise them Catholic. And that's something that I think um, some Catholics who marry non-Catholics don't understand that that that's an obligation. But also I think that there are some people who aren't Catholic who marry Catholics who don't understand that that's what they're saying. And I don't think it's fair to them to be going into something like this, realizing, you know, it. I just, I think this is a discussion you need to have. So um, you are vowing to raise them Catholic. So if this means that you have some serious questions about the church and you're just getting married in the Catholic church because your parents are paying for your wedding and they're making you, like it's so important to press into what the church teaches about everything and, and realize that you're vowing before God and each other to raise your children Catholic. Um, and so, you know, working on your own stuff to figure out how you can do that best. Sure. Yeah. And that's very scary for a lot of people because um, the generation before me, um, I'm a Gen X or I, I say I'm a Zennial because I'm right on that cusp. I'm kind of one of those um, micro generation, but the one above me, okay, my parents are products of the sixties and things like that. You know, um, they, my mom explained it to me that the, the Catholic faith was taught in the Catholic schools. So having the faith taught at home wasn't something that people knew how to do. So you had this entire generation raised in the sixties, raising kids in the eighties mm. who um, they didn't know what that looked like. Right. Mm. And, and yeah. if you were privileged enough to go to Catholic school, then maybe, but just because you go to Catholic school doesn't mean you're getting a Catholic education. Mm. Let's be honest. Sadly. And it's like anything else, right? Like it, it has to be at home. It has to be the parents of the first educators and all of those sorts of things that's a very scary place for a lot of people because they were never raised. So they don't have a schema. They don't have a knowledge base of what to build on or how to give the faith to their children. So they feel very unqualified. People assume, Oh, well, I I have to be a theologian or I need to, I don't know, hire a theologian or I need to like whatever, or I don't read. It it seems very, I mean, my kids to Catholic school because I can't. Sure. Right. Exactly. Uh, Whatever it is. People are obligated to do. Absolutely. Exactly. And whereas, you know what, today we are so blessed. There are so many amazing resources out there. Maybe you could add some and I can give you some as a parent who has some older kids and I've done this for a while. I can, you know, we can put it in the show notes the places to get information and get resources. It's like anything else. You can do it. It is not impossible. And, um, and it's, but it is necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, It's a, it's a lie to think that your kids should grow up and choose on their own. You, you have the, you have the responsibility for the formation of not only their education, their bodies, their emotional self, but their spiritual self. 
So you are in, you are raising someone that you are forming, right? And so this is part of their formation and they can't know what they, they don't know what they don't know. Right. And I get that a lot of people don't know it either, but you're, you're an adult. If you've had a child, right. You are completely capable of getting the information you need to get. And you're completely capable of doing it way more than you, than you think. And you will be given the grace by God, especially in this vow. So don't be afraid. That's the enemy telling you that you can't, you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. So after those questions, right, which the bride and groom say I have, or I am too, then come the actual vows. So I, Elizabeth, take you Ross to be my husband. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad in sickness and in health. Right. So that's that fidelity, no matter what happens. Um, I'll love you and honor you all the days of my life. And that's the, the totality, um, the total gift of self, um, and the, uh, the, the freely giving you a guy, take you. So that is what you are saying. If you decide Perfect. to take the vow of marriage. Um, yeah. so of course we, I think we springboarded into like six episodes from here. Um, so <laughs> well, we, I mean, there, it's a complicated them. thing. It's, it's not so, that easy, right? Let's be it's honest. So rich. It's not like, yes. like everything else on the planet, but especially when you're having two lives, two souls merge. I mean, this is like, I mean, not, not technically two souls. I mean, you know what I mean? That's like, whatever, yes. but two, you know, two, the two becoming one, the they two keep their individual one. souls and their yes. individual bodies, but they become I one. I have blasphemy <laughs> on, the, on the podcast. I was speaking poetically, but yeah. anyway, it, it, it's complicated. It's a big deal, right? And you're doing this. I mean, this is a, now it's not a, you know, this is, see, I'm going to take us on another tangent. It's not an indelible mark on your soul. That's mm -hmm. why you can get remarried. So there's a couple of sacraments, you know, that it's, a, it leaves a permanent mark in your soul. You can't, that you can see in heaven, right? And you, Correct. in heaven, you can see the mark exists. Right. So marriage, baptism, is not one of them. Yep. marriage is not one of them. Baptism, confirmation and holy orders. Those are indelible marks on your soul. Marriage. That's why God forbid your spouse dies or, um, you do end up having an moment, right? And the church is granted that that's absolutely fantastic. The church is granted. You never ended up getting, yes. Sure, she recognized exactly. you then never you got married in the first place. You're free to marry. Right. You're free to remarry. You're free to remarry. You nope, know, you're free when... to marry the first time if you got an annulment. Correct. But I, I was going to say you're free but to yes. marry if your spouse dies, right? Yes. So, or you're free to marry for the first time if, you know, you have the, uh, an annulment. So yep. that's why it's not a double marking your soul, but it is a sacrament. So it is sacred and it is a big deal. It's been right. elevated to something not just, you know, like a high five. It's a big right. deal. So an outward anyway. sign instituted by Christ to give grace. It falls and in that definition of a sacrament. Perfect. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> worked it in there. Um, awesome. Love it. So if you're sitting here wondering um, what, what to do with this episode, you want something practical to take away. I want you to pick out one of those elements that we talked about, right? The freedom, the, the total gift of self, the faithfulness, the fruitfulness, whichever one stirred up um, angst in your heart, whichever one you heard us talking and you were like, yeah, I don't like that. Um, I want you to sit with it. I'm going to sit with that. And I want you to take it to prayer and take it to Jesus and say, why did I disagree with what they said? Um, what was it about the church's teaching about marriage? That's hard for me in this area. Help me, help me to, um, dive into this. Give me the courage to dive in. So, um, with that, we are going to go ahead and leave you. Thank you so much, Liv, for joining us today. Of course. God, my pleasure. Are you kidding? It's one of my favorite topics. So I was love it. happy to contribute. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thanks, friend. 
And thank all of you for listening. We are so honored that you take the time to listen to this podcast. And I hope that this topic was beneficial um, as you continue discerning marriage, that you could dive a little bit more deeply into what it is you are discerning. So a couple of exciting things to tell you about. If you are listening to this on the day that it drops, October 30th, the Catholic Engage Summit starts today and I'm speaking at it. So my husband and I did an interview for it. So it's October 28th to the 30th. Um, more information at the uh, link in our show notes. And then the Theology of the Body Congress is also this week, October 30th to November 1st. So again, more information in the show notes. So until next time, y'all stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. The Discerning Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the theology of the body, visit tobinstitute.org.